Father, we do thank you for your word to us. We thank you for the teaching ministry of your spirit. And we depend upon that right now. We depend upon you teaching us, Lord. I, I just yield myself, Lord, that you would use me. I wouldn't be a hindrance to what you want to communicate, but in some way just a tool you can use, and you'd release a truth that you really want us to get, a, a way you want us to see, Lord, the church and how the church is to function and what our part is in that. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, again, we all know is Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you hope the Patriots to win? Raise your hand. How many of you hope the Rams will win? Raise your hand. How many of you don't care who wins? Don't even care about this game. Okay, well, there's most of it. Well, I'm going to tell you who's going to win the game. I'll tell you who's going to win. The team that plays with the most passion, the team that plays with the most skill, the team that plays most like a team, the team where everyone knows their role and their purpose and their position, and they skillfully execute that position, the team that does all that the best, will win the game. I want you to think about that for a moment, because now I want you to think about the church of Jesus Christ, the most important team in the universe, playing the most important game there is on the earth, and there is no team on earth that should be winning like this team, the church. But the problem is, even though the church is the most important team on the earth with the most important purpose on the earth, most of the people on this team around the world don't even know their position on the team. And a lot of them don't even know they're on the team. They don't even know there's a game and they're in it. You know, when the Super Bowl starts today, the teams are going to be very well organized. Everyone will know their positions. They've trained for those positions. They're passionate about their positions. They know the strategy of the game. They know the plays. They've studied the plays. They've practiced the plays. Yet the church around the world, for the most part, is not anywhere near that organized. Most don't know their positions. They haven't trained for those positions, they aren't passionate about playing that position. They don't know the strategy and they don't know the plays. And by the way, the, the church itself, actually throughout history, is to blame for this. Because throughout history, the church has actually taught its players that they aren't really players at all. The church throughout history has taught their players that their responsibility is just to come and sit and be spectators of the game, that they're not really players in the game. So throughout history, the church has learned to file in, sit in rows, and watch the game. Not trained to play in the game, they've been taught that they're to be spectators of the game. So let's back up this morning. I want us to ask a question. The question I want us to consider is, what did God have in mind for the church in the first place? What was his intent for the church? How is the church supposed to work? Well, God calls the church the body of Christ. 
By the way, that's much more than a figure of speech. So the church exists, we exist as the chief means of Christ. Christ works today in the world. We, in fact, are an extension of Christ. I want you to stop and think about this a minute. We all have a physical body. Just think about your body for a moment because the Apostle Paul is going to use this illustration. And if we just think of how simple this illustration is, we won't get lost as he goes through it. Think about the human body. Here's what the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He says, for even as the body is one, yet has many members. Okay, just stop there. You came in here with one body. You have one body, but you have many members of that body. You have eyes, ears, nose, mouth, hands, feet. All these are parts of the body, but you have one body with many different members who have different functions, different roles, different positions on the team. Okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. He's still just talking about the human body. Now he says this. So also is Christ. In other words, it's not only the church that is the body of Christ. The church and Christ together constitute the body of Christ. Let me explain. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Let's look at this. It says, And he, referring to God the Father, he, God the Father, put all things in subjection under his feet, Jesus Christ, and gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So when you stand in front of a mirror, and most of you probably did that before you got ready to come here, you notice that your body really is pretty much divided into two parts. You have your head, which is kind of your command and control center, and then you have your torso, where the different members of your body are connected, like your arms and legs, hands and feet, and so forth. Well, here's the truth. The truth is, is that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the command and control center of the church. And his body, which is us, we are his body, and we are basically what Christ is using to accomplish what he wants done on the earth, his body. We are his body. We are his hands and feet. We are his mouth, his eyes. We are his heartbeat. We are his body. Now, today... In the Super Bowl, there will be players on the field, and there will be representing their teams. There will be coaches on the sideline, and there will be coaches up in the box where they can see the whole field, and they send down the plays. They're the command and control center, so to speak. But they're all part of the same organization. They're all part of the same team, and they all work together, the players, the coaches, the head and the body, it all works together as one organization to accomplish their purpose on the field, which is to win the game. So Christ is the head of the church, and we are Christ's body on the earth doing what? Doing what Christ wants done on the earth. And what Christ and the church are committed to accomplishing on the earth is the goal of winning, winning 
in the purposes of Christ, accomplishing the great commandment and great commission all over the earth. So the church is a body with many members, and yet it's only one body. There's not many bodies. I know we have lots of denominations, but that was never God's intention. There's one church around the world. There's one body of Christ. We're all connected. We share the same life. We're, connected, connect, or we're all connected to the same head. And we all are part of the expression of what Christ wants done on the earth. That's us. Okay so, okay, so how do I become a part of that body? Well, think about this. How do players become part of, how do they become part of the Rams or the Patriots? How do they become part? Well, they were recruited. They were drafted. And then they were contracted, and they signed the contract. Well, you became part of the body of Christ, first of all, because you got recruited. You got drafted. Here's what it says. John 6, 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up on the last day. So you got drawn. God the Father drafted you. He recruited you. And when you came to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you signed the contract to be on this team. In fact, I think your baptism is kind of like signing day. In fact, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. He said, it doesn't matter what your ethnic background is or origin, or it doesn't matter what your social background is. The church is made up of Jews and Greeks, slave and free. Everyone's baptized by the same spirit into one body, into one team, all one team. So again, in other words, the church is not simply, and this is where so many people get it wrong, the church is not simply a group of religious people who come together to have a meeting. The church is a group of people who share the same life. We belong to the same Lord. We're filled with the same spirit. We're given gifts by that spirit. We're intended to function together as one team to do what? To change the world for the glory of Christ. So again, I want you to think about the church as being a team because that is how we are portrayed when we're portrayed as the body of Christ. It doesn't get any more team than that. So we are a team, and then we have this goal of being, of accomplishing Christ's purposes on the earth as a team. So the Apostle Paul is now going to explain just how this team functions in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at this. He's going to address there's two attitudes that actually trouble the church or hinder the team from accomplishing its purposes. The first attitude he's going to address is this attitude of somebody on the team or a member in the body of Christ, one of us, who thinks that they're insignificant and they don't have much to contribute to the team. It's this person on, in the church who says something like, I love to come to church, but I don't have really anything to contribute. I don't have any abilities. I don't have that much knowledge. I don't have that much talent. So because I don't have much to contribute, I won't contribute anything at all. I'll just come and be a spectator. Now, just think for a moment. What if players 
what the Patriots or the Rams thought like this today. What if they thought, you know what? I don't have much to contribute since I can't pass the ball like Brady or Goff. All I can do is block. So since all I can do is block and that's not much to contribute, I'm not going to contribute at all. What's going to happen to that team if players start thinking that way? They're going to lose. Here's what Paul says. Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15, he says, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. In other words, if the foot should say, you know what, I can't do all the things the hand can do. The hand's so flexible, it's used all the time, and I'm just down here, I'm just a foot. So since I can't do all the things the hand can do, I'm not going to do anything. How does that affect your body if your foot no longer contributes? Dramatically. In the same way, if there's a believer on this team who thinks, I'm too insignificant to make any contribution, so I make no contribution, then it impacts this whole team from accomplishing what we're supposed to accomplish, winning for Christ. If someone says, you know, I can't preach and I can't lead worship, so isn't that all there is to it? Then I have nothing to contribute. See, if you feel disqualified, you know, or not, it's important that you understand that there are no insignificant parts of the body. Every part of this team matters, and every part of this team is significant. You know, one of the reasons why there's so many people in the church that don't think that they have much to contribute, don't think they're significant, is because they've been taught wrong about the church. It's widely believed today that the reason the church exists is to gather together for Sunday morning service. That's the reason the church exists. And the people who lead those services, whether they lead worship or preach or teach, they think, well, they have the necessary gifts and they're doing church and I'm watching church. Since I can't do those things, since I can't lead worship or preach, then I don't really have a part to play in the church. That's the mentality so many have. But here's the truth. The truth is Sunday morning service is not the extent of the church's purpose. The work of the church is to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver those, those in captivity, to open the eyes of the blind, to preach the good news to the poor and the despairing. The work of the church is to encourage and to strengthen and to deliver. And all that work does not take primarily, does not take place primarily within these walls. Most of the work of the church takes place out there. Where we where we live and where we work and where we recreate. It's kind of like a football team in the, that's in a locker room before they go out on the field to play. We come here to be equipped and to be trained to be the church. We don't just Go to church. We are the church. We come to be trained and equipped so we can accomplish what Christ wants done in all the places where we go and we live. And there's a role for every single member without exception. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, what a ridiculous body it would be if every part did the same thing. I mean, what, what about this? What if the Rams had their huddle today 
and they broke from their huddle, and everybody went to be the, to the wide receiver position. And nobody was there to hike the ball. No one was there to pass the ball. No one was there to block for the passer. Everybody just went to the wide receiver position. How ridiculous would that be? It wouldn't work. It's crazy. See, there's so many jobs in the, in the work of the church that are done not just on Sunday morning, but the majority of the work of the church is done really where you live, where you work, and where you recreate. And, the, and so that's primarily what the work of the church, how the work of the church goes. Now, we need to recapture this excitement. We need to recapture this idea. I want you just to picture Jesus Christ walking through the earth, walking and through a hurting world. Just picture him. Walks through the hurting world. He's healing and touching blind eyes and lame legs, infirmed bodies, and he's, and he's ministering to destroyed lives and hopeless people, despairing. And he's, and he's moving about doing this great work. That is us. That's the body of Christ today. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're called to do. And this work requires every one of us to play a part in accomplishing this. Now Paul's going to deal with a second wrong attitude that many have in the church. And they think that of themselves as independent in their ministry. In other words, they don't think they need the rest of the team. They need the rest of the body. So let's read what it says. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It's amazing how many people there are that have their, their ministry, and they don't really believe that they have need to be connected with the rest of the body. They're confident in their own abilities in their own ministry. I want you to think about how that would work in the football game this afternoon. Tom Brady decided he doesn't need his teammates. He tells his, he tells his offensive line, guys, I, I really don't need you. I can do this myself. I'm that good. What would happen? He would get creamed. And they would lose. See, Paul points out that this attitude, really, that many have leaves the church in a terrible state. What if the eye says, I don't need the rest of the body? What if the eye says, look, I don't need the rest of the body. I'm just going to roll around. <laughs> and I'm just going to look things over. <laughs> what would happen to the body without the eye? Well, the body without the eye trips over things and falls over everything. What happens to the eye without the body? After a while, that eye stops seeing at all. So we all need one another. This is the truth, no matter how impressive you may be. So Paul reminds us that our physical body, that all the parts, even the weakest, weaker ones are all needed. They're all significant. 1 Corinthians 12, 22, he says, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which we deem to be weaker are necessary. Like, what about all those guys on the Patriots organization that you, you never see, but they're necessary for the effective operation of the team, all the way down to the guy in the back locker room of the Patriots locker room that airs up the footballs to just the right pressure? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about people with the gift of helps, for example. You know, they're not just nice to have around. They're essential to have. I mean, 
even today, there's, even right now, there's people back there working in the sound booth that you don't even know they're back there until something goes wrong, right? Then everybody turns around. <laughs> we can't do it without these guys. Give them a hand, by the way. Okay. <clears throat> but you're going you're gonna to go after this service, you're going to go over and have lunch at Grace Cafe, and there's a bunch of people right now making all that happen. I mean, you, there's so many things that are happening. When you came up and got the com communion elements, somebody made all that happen. There are people doing all, the, all these things. Every little part matters because we're all part of the same team, and it's crucial that we really appreciate all the different parts of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 23, he talks about the fact that some parts of the body aren't even visible. I mean, they're kind of hidden parts. Here's what he says, 1 Corinthians 12, 23. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable or on these we bestow more abundant honor and on, on our unseemly members, they come to have more abundant seemliness. What he's actually referring to here is what we used to call our private parts. Paul's simply drawing an analogy here and saying that in the body of Christ, there are certain hidden secret functions within the body that never come out in public, that are, that are always kind of hidden. But they're... They're essential, nonetheless, for the accomplishment of the team winning. I think, take, for example, the ministry of prayer. You know, there's, there are people that are constantly praying for you. Every time, if you fill out a prayer request, your name is on it. It goes to the house of prayer in our GHOP. There are people whose name you don't know, but they know your name and they pray for you. And it's, it's one of those secret ministries. It's hidden, but it is essential for us to win. And we got all these people that are part of this crucial prayer ministry. See, when we begin to, you know, back up and see the church as God intends it to be, we'll see that he really has this beautiful plan of all the different pieces coordinatedly working together to accomplishing what Christ wants done on the earth. It's a beautiful picture. And the more we understand it, the more we'll start to appreciate each part, each person. We'll value each member because we know every member is important. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. See, we're connected in profound ways. And so it matters that we really take care of each other because we need each other. You know, I smashed my big toe several years ago, and it was amazing how my whole body became concerned about my toe. I mean, my, my toe had the attention of every part of my body trying to do whatever it could to alleviate the pain and, and, and make sure it was clean and deal with infection and all this stuff. The whole body cared about the toe. And see, really, the picture, this is an important picture that we need to understand that every part is important and we need to care about each other and every part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he wraps it up a little bit and says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You have a position on the team. You have a role to play. You have a purpose to accomplish on this team. He goes on and gives us some of the positions on the team. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. He goes on to say, all are not apostles, are they? Of course not. All are not prophets, are they? No. All are not teachers, are they? No. All are not workers of miracles, are they? No. 
All do not have gifts of healings, do they? No. All do not speak in tongues, do they? No. All do not interpret, do they? No. The answer, the obvious answer to all these questions is no. No one has all the gifts. And there's not one gift we all have. We all have gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us to, to play our position on the team. So you're on the team. I don't know if you knew that before this morning, but now you know. You're on the team. You're on the team, and you have a position on the team, an important position. The team cannot function without you playing your position. So here's the question that rises in our mind now is, is okay, what if I don't know my position? How do I find out what it is? Well, you find out what your position is. It depends on how God has shaped you. You need to know how he shaped you. We've used this acrostic before from the word shape, S-H-A-P-E. And I just want to remind you real briefly what we're talking about when we talk about how God has shaped you. S stands for spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts given to you by God. H stands for heart passions. There are certain things you're passionate about. A stands for abilities. You have certain abilities that you can bring to bear that will cause the church to be effective as a team. Personality. You have a certain personality type. God wants to use you just the way he made you. Experiences, certain life experiences that have shaped you. Good experiences, hard experiences, but they have shaped you. God wants to use you the way he shaped you. Now, the more we understand how he shaped us, the more we understand our position on the team, the more we understand what our role is, what our purpose is. So let's just walk through this again. Last week, we talked about the S stands for spiritual gifts. We spent the whole message on talking about that. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each one has received a special gift, stop right there, as each one, that means you, each one, that means you have received a special gift. Yes, you have. Even if you don't know what it is, you have one. If you know Christ, you have one, at least one. There's four times in the New Testament it says you, every believer has one. All right, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So manage your gift. Be a good steward. Manage the gift you've been given. You are required to manage that gift as a, in a, as a good steward of the grace of God, his empowering presence on your life, enabling you to do what he called you to do. Again, I remind you, an unopened gift is worthless. It is crucial that we really do find out what our gifts are. We talked a little bit last week about how to do that. The number one way is just to begin to serve and love people Notice needs around you and reach out to meet those needs and you'll slowly find out exactly what your niche is and your position on this team. God will lead you in it. So you have a gift. And just remember, you're going to have to give an account for that gift. You're going to have to give an account one day at the judgment seat of Christ for what you did and what he gave you. And to whom much is given, much is required. And so find out what it is and use it. An, op an unopened gift is worthless. Open it up. And use it. And don't retire your gift prematurely. If you're living and breathing still, you, you, you're expected to be part of this team. We'll let you off the hook for being the team after you stop breathing. <laughs> Until then, you're on the team. So you have, you have certain gifts, and part of that is that's part of knowing what your gift is, is key to understanding how you're, how you're shaped to serve God. Okay, that's S. H stands for heart, heart passions. 
The Bible uses the term heart to describe this bundle of desires and hopes and interests and ambitions and dreams and affections, these things you really care about, these things that really jazz you, you get excited about, what you're passionate about. And we have different things that we get excited about and we're passionate about. We have a different or unique emotional heartbeat around the room. There are certain subjects that you get excited about someone else doesn't get so excited about. So what is your heart passion? See, these are clues to where you should be serving. I tell you, I, I really encourage you guys to, to do this test on a regular basis because there's different chapters in your life. And, and just lay in bed and say, Lord, if I had $10 billion, what would I do for you the rest of my life? And begin to dream. You might think, well, if I had $10 billion, I, I would build orphanages all over the world. All of a sudden, what you're doing is you're beginning to find out something that maybe you have a passion for. Well, but I don't have 10 billion. Yeah, but you can start to sponsor one orphan right now. You can begin to be faithful in little, and then you'll be faithful in much. God will continue to expand your ministry field. But you got to step out and start to take some action and be faithful. So just ask, just begin to ask the Lord, you know, help me, you know, what is, what is I, I'll do for you if I could do anything? Dream. It's amazing how if you just start, you know, every big ministry on the earth right now started as a little ministry. And every little ministry on earth started with one person who dreamed it and was just audacious enough to step out and start doing something. And so, again, you have heart and passions. What are they? So you have spiritual gifts. You have a heart passion. That's all part of how you're shaped. Also, A, you have abilities. Abilities are, again, a strong indication of how God wants to use you. Strong indication, maybe, of your place on the team. It's a great clue to, what, you know, to, to, your, to your role. And God doesn't want to waste abilities. He matches our calling with our capabilities oftentimes. So again, your, your abilities weren't just given to you so you can make a living. See, I think one of the, the travesties that's happened in the church around the world, particularly in the West, is we have people that use their abilities all week long out in the working world, some brilliant entrepreneurs, but they've been taught when they come in church, just, just sit in rows, behave yourself, be quiet. We'll do all the heavy lifting up here. That's crazy. I mean, we've got all these abilities we ought, that in the church that ought to be used for the glory of God, not just in, in your workplace, but in the church. And so I've, I've, I've talked to people, and they'll have an idea, you know, and there's, there's, they'll say, I, I was wondering why you guys did it this way. And I'm thinking, you've been sitting out there for how long wondering? <laughs> I mean, you know, come tell us. We want your ideas. We want your help. We're a team. We need everybody to be, you know, do their part on the team. So again, dream, you know, dream and use those abilities. All right, P stands for personality. Again, there's never been and there never will be another one just like you. Your personality is unique. God created you with a unique combination of personality traits. And your personality will affect how you use your spiritual gifts and your abilities. But God wants you to be you. He doesn't want you to try to be somebody that you're not. It's okay to be you. God made you with the personality that you have. And finally, E stands for experiences. Our life experiences have shaped us, all of us. And none of us have had the exact same life experiences. I mean, you have family experiences that have shaped you. The family you grew up in has shaped you. You've had educational experiences that have shaped you. What you learn, what you study, what you know. You have vocational experiences, the different jobs you've done at different stages in your life that have shaped you. 
uniquely. Their spiritual experiences, the different ministries you've been involved in, different encounters you've had with God that have shaped you a certain way for a crucial part to play in the body of Christ. And even painful experiences have shaped us. You know, you've been through hurt and trial. By the way, sometimes our greatest ministry will flow out of our greatest pain. Because when you, when, you, when you come out the other side of that pain and you're the better for it because you, you held on but to faith and trust in God and he's now redeeming it all, you're going to be able to speak to somebody who's going through that same pain and you're not going to give them theory. You're going to give them life. And so you have been shaped to serve God through all these things, your spiritual gifts, your heart passion, your abilities, your personality type, your life experiences, and nobody on planet Earth has got the exact same shape. So you're unique. And God has a position for you on the team. So again, you'll be effective when you use your spiritual gifts and your abilities in the area of your heart passion and heart desires in a way that best expresses your personality and your life experiences. You put all that together, it's going to really form how you minister. So that is really going to be key to your finding your position on the team. And we want to help you do that. One of the ways we can help you do that is this. We have something that we call the Shape Survey. You can go, you can go to gracearlington.com and take the Shape Survey. You can do it online. If you don't, you don't want to do it online, you can come and we'll give you a, you know, a paper copy. You can fill it out and one of the pastors on our staff will meet with you and just be a sounding board for you. Not make you do something you don't want to do, but just help you think through you know, a ministry you might connect with, a position on the team you might consider trying out. See, and call it an experiment. If it doesn't work, don't call it a failure. Just call it an experiment. And maybe there's a ministry we're not even doing. You're thinking, I've got this dream, and you come, come tell it to me because I might know nine other people with the same dream, and we'll start a whole new ministry. These 10 people with the same heart passion but with 10 different spiritual gifts. And now you've got a ministry going. By the way, that is how the ministries of grace, that you can go on the online and see a long, long, long list of them, that's how almost all those ministries started. It was people who started start dreaming. And they got together other people with the same dream, and they used their spiritual gifts, and they formed a ministry. It's amazing what can be accomplished. So let us help you with that. And if you haven't taken a shape survey, or if you haven't taken a long time, just take it and think it through, because you might be in a different a stage in your, in your life, too, where God wants to use you a little differently than he's used you maybe in last chapter. So anyways, the Super Bowl's today, and every player there, it just kills me. I'm gonna, every player there is going to know their role, and they're going to know their position, and they're going to have trained in that position, and they're going to be passionate about that position, and they're going to really want their team to win, and they're going to give everything they got to win today. And here we are, the most important team on the planet is the church. And yet so many don't even know their position. So many don't even know there's a game going on and they're in it. And so we're really trying to begin to get our thinking right here. Many of you already are in your position, playing, doing your ministry, and that's awesome. But some of you are thinking, I'm not really sure yet. I'm kind of leaning. And some of you are thinking, I didn't know there's a game going on. <laughs> and I'm in it. Yeah, you're in it. So you have a calling. You have a position on the team. Find out what it is and be the best you can possibly be to helping this team win for the glory of Christ. And you're saying, why? Why should I do it? 
what, what is the motivation for that? Let me tell you the motivation. First of all, let me ask you this question. What is motivating all these players today in this football game called the Super Bowl? What's motivating them to, to give out there and give it everything they got? What's their motivation? What is it? Why do they want to win the championship? Fame and fortune. That's it. That's what it's all about, and that's what that, they're disciplining their whole life for that. For a Super Bowl ring, for an endorsement commercial, for some money, for a lettuce leaf wrapped around their forehead that dries up and blows away in a wind. So what is our motivation? Our motivation is far superior. The judgment seat of Christ, commendation, reward, and glory forever. Matthew 25, 19. Let's just read this. Now, after a long time, verse 19, Matthew 25, 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I gained five more talents. See, I invested what you gave me for your profit, Master, and I've got it for you. His master said to him, verse 21, well done, good and faithful slave. You're faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So you, you invested your talents and your gifts and your abilities for the profit of the master so the team could win for the glory of Christ. And now because of that, you're going to be greatly rewarded in the kingdom to come forever and ever and ever. See, the reason those players had disciplined themselves for this game this afternoon and worked so hard is because they came to believe at one point in their life, they came to believe that the prize was worth the price to pay. The, they believed the prize was worth it. The prize is worth the price. And if we would understand the judgment seat of Christ and the prize that's coming, we would gladly pay the price. To say, Lord, I, I just got to, I'm going to be in prayer. I'm going to fast. I'm going to serve. I'm going to find my position on this team. I'll take shape, serve. I'll do whatever. I'm going to, I want to make sure I'm doing my calling. So fulfill your calling. You're on the team. You got a position. This team needs you to win. We need you in your position. So get in the game. If you're in the game and you're doing your position, keep at it. Do it with all your heart. You're not, you're not in the game. Get in the game. This game, this game that matters more than any game, this game that's going to matter forever, get in it. Fulfill your calling. And you'll be so glad you did one day. Let's stand for prayer. Those of you that need some prayer, there'll be some leader couples down here that'll be glad to pray for you at the end of the service. Also in this corner here, we have Connection Coffee. If you have a question for our staff, they'll be glad to answer it for you. Up here, we have a, a welcome center. If this is your first Sunday here, I'd love to meet you before you take off. And so please stop by and just say, hi, I'd love to meet you. Let's pray. Father, we just, we're so grateful that we belong to you and that you put us on this team. Lord, we just pray, would you guide everyone, Lord, it is an earshot right now of my voice. Would you guide us all into understanding, really, our position that we might fulfill it, fulfill our calling and help this team win for the glory of Christ. 
Lord, I pray that nobody, this, nobody could leave this place today or turn off their online streaming, Lord, and just and say, oh, that didn't matter. But every one of us would think, Lord, I more deeply want to understand what you've made me for, what you called me for, and I want to accomplish that. Lord, I pray that you would put that deep in all of us. And I pray, Lord, this week we'd find ourselves really more and more living out our position on the team for the glory of Christ. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone here and everything that matters to them. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Go Rams.